helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. In our relationships, we experience different types of transgressions over the course of our time together. Sometimes they're the small things like forgetting to pick something up on the way home Or maybe it's something bigger, like forgetting to show up at an important event that you had planned so long to have happen. But across the board, there's one transgression that really can rock us, and that is the transgression of infidelity. For many people who experience infidelity in their relationships, they often find themselves feeling worlds apart and wondering if they can or will ever connect again. In today's show, we're going to be talking about reconnecting after infidelity, and we're going to be exploring the topic of infidelity in depth and beginning to see Can and how can we reconnect after this type of experience occurs in our relationships? Because as I said, this, this is the big stuff. This is the hard stuff that I know for myself would be almost impossible to imagine how to recover after this. And as we'll explore in this show, this topic is common for many relationships, whether you're in the church, outside the church, or somewhere in between. This is a topic that can affect us all, no matter if we're newly married or long married. And so we want to explore this topic in detail today. And we're so excited that you have decided to join us this morning. My name is Melissa Waggett, and I am the co-host of the Life Transformation Radio Show. We are so excited that you've invited us into your homes, your cars, your workplaces, wherever you may be finding yourself this morning. If you want to find out more about our show, you can go to our website at elamcounselingministry.com. Elam is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com, or you can call us toll-free at 1-877-544-3546, and we'd be happy to connect you with our resources and answer any questions you may have. If you've joined us for the first time, you'll be um, hearing a very exciting person this morning. With me in studio each and every week is Michael Hart. He is a certified psychotherapist and he is the director of Elam Counseling Services. And he joins us each and every week to explore these topics and draw from his clinical and professional background through so as we, we discuss um, topics that affect us each and every day in our lives, as we go through relationships, as we go through work, as we go through our faith journey. So, Michael, I'm so excited you've joined us this morning to talk about reconnecting after infidelity. Excited to be here as well, Melissa. And this is a, a topic that I think is very important because, unfortunately, infidelity is very common within our church circles as well. Uh, I've seen many Christian couples from all faith backgrounds that have come into my office to to try to get help to recover from an affair. So I think there are some very important uh tips that we need to bear in mind, whether we are the one that have suffered infidelity or we are trying to help people who have suffered infidelity in their relationship. Unfortunately, I see that there are some tendencies within Christian circles where people are further harmed as a result of getting bad advice after being hurt 
uh, through an affair. So this show today is going to be intended to give insights into how to approach the subject of infidelity when you're helping people who have suffered. And we should bear in mind that the Bible gives uh, adultery as a grounds for divorce. And I guess the reason for that is that it's a very serious offense. And as I tell couples when they come in, that it's the reason it is given in Scripture is exactly because of what you are going through right now, that it's a very, very hard thing to recover from. The pain, the betrayal that you feel, the way that you feel that your world has been shattered, it's a very hard thing to recover from. And so I encourage people that, yes, the Bible did give it as a grounds for divorce, so don't expect it to to be a quick fix. The good news is that 60% of couples who come into counseling to deal with, to try to recover from an affair, successfully recover from, from the affair and go on to live healthy, to have healthy and happy married lives. So although it's difficult, it is possible, but it's very important to to have these uh, principles that we are going to be talk about, talk uh, in our show today about to put these principles in place. So, Michael, you, you alluded to the fact that this is something you see commonly in your own clinical practice. How common is adultery overall? It is said that uh, 20%, 25% roughly of, of couples who come into therapy comes in as a result of an affair, 25%. So roughly one in four uh, clients who come in, come in as a result of an affair. And interestingly, many people do not come in about their affair, but somehow during the course of therapy, it comes out that an affair had taken place in the relationship that neither partners know about. And that's an additional 30% of couples who reveal uh, that an affair had taken place after starting after starting counseling so that's roughly about 50% one in two couples uh who come in to into a counseling office have had an affair so it's a very common statistics and even though these are statistics from the the general population i think in the church the it, it's reflected very close to this margin as well because of the because of how common i have seen it in my practice it it's probably just a bit more hidden it's that stuff in the shadows right yes yes it, it's very very hidden and very hard for people to talk about people carry a lot of shame and even shame by the faithful partner, some partners who have been cheated on find it very hard to come in and to tell a counselor that, yes, this thing actually happened to me. Adultery actually took place in my relationship. So there is that side. The unfaithful partner finds it very hard to talk about because of feeling shame and feeling like a failure. But the partner who has also committed the adultery uh, finds it hard to, t- hard to talk about because of guilt as well, because of guilt and feeling not wanting to be condemned by the church and society. So for that reason, it is often very well hidden in the church. Are there any myths surrounding uh, adultery or infidelity? Yes, I think the first myth that I see regarding infidelity 
is that uh, it men are the, the the predominant majority of cheaters. Statistics show that it's about 32% of men and 21% of women who admit to having sexual infidelity. So if you think about those those figures, 32 to 21%, it's not a big gap, right? Women are also uh, are, are also very common usually are very common in terms women also cheat I, I should say uh, almost as much as men as men do and 32 to 21% the difference of that 10% i think it is even closer than that because i find that because of the shame that women feel when this happens, they are less likely to admit to it and to report that they have cheated but i would say that the the couples that I have counseling, it's about split 50-50 with who is the cheater when they come in between men and women. Are there any other myths that you'd like to explore? The second myth is that if there is an if there is infidelity in the relationship, it's because the relationship is unhappy. Uh, this is not the case. In many cases, this is why it is so shocking and hard to recover from because the faithful partner often have no idea that their partner would do such a thing because as far as they as far as they can see the relationship is healthy and happy and then they are hit with this news or they discover that their partner is cheating and so the the myth that there it's because the the of unhappy, bad marriages is just not true. And I think a third myth in Christian circles is that if people hold certain offices or if they have certain spiritual standing, then they are immune from affairs. And I think that's not true because we know that pastors and bishops, you know, have fallen uh, prey to to having an affair as well. And so just about anyone can have an affair given the right kind of circumstances. So it's important. The Apostle Paul say that we are not to think ourselves too highly, less when we think that we stand, we fall. So for those of us who are very condemning of others, we should be careful because I've seen people who will come in and they will say, I can't believe I have done this thing. I'm usually the one that is so harsh and condemning of people who did this in the past. So we should see ourselves uh, as quite capable of any bad thing except for the grace of God. The Apostle Paul also said, I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself become a castaway. So if the Apostle Paul can see himself as being capable of turning away from the faith, then we should not see ourselves as as being better than people who fall uh, in this way. So, Michael, you, you've said a, a few times now how difficult this experience in a relationship can be, and often devastatingly so. I'm wondering if you can paint a picture of what it's like for the person who was cheated on and also for the person who committed the infidelity as well. 
So for the person who is cheated on, this person usually is very, very depressed. They go through a period of, of depress, depression where they're, they're sad, they have no energy for life, they're just hopeless about their future. So sometimes I see people spiral into real clinical depression. A lot of time they become very anxious and even... Uh, a year, two years after, they're having PTSD-like symptoms where they actually go into panic attack if their partners are five minutes late. So it's either full-blown panic attack or they just become very anxious and very angry at their partner for being just a few minutes late. And this is because being a few minutes late coming home from work triggers this memory of how how they were deceived, of how they were betrayed. And so even though they might know rationally that nothing could have happened in five minutes, it might just be a few stoplights along the way home, but to the emotional brain, it is sending the message that there is danger alert, something bad is about to happen again. And so partners who are cheated on go through these very high anxiety state, but but they also can suffer from guilt because men and women especially feel as if they're a failure and they feel they feel uh, maybe I am inadequate. Maybe it's because there is something lacking in me as a woman why my partner did this. Men also feel this as well. Men and men uh, can go into this place of low self-esteem where they feel Maybe there's something wrong with me as a man. Maybe I am not uh, satisfying my wife in a way that I should, and maybe it reflects on my manhood. And so uh, the people, the, the guilty, the, the person who is the faithful partner goes through these emotions. But let us talk about the second part of your question, the, un, the, the unfaithful partner. The unfaithful partner can go into phases of depression as well, uh, phases of guilt, but I also see that they can go to anger as well because they might get to a phase, go through a, a phases where at first they show remorse, at first they 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 are very they're showing a lot of empathy towards their partner. But after three, four months where the partner is still asking questions and going or asking again about the same details, not being able to trust what they have said, they can get to a place where they turn to anger and frustration. If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Life Transformation Radio Show. Today, we're talking about reconnecting after an affair. If you've missed the first half of today's show, I encourage you to go to our website at elamcounselingministry.com. Elam is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. Or you can call us toll-free at 1-877-544-3546. So, Michael... You, you just described sort of the experience of uh, the person who had was um, had the affair committed towards them and the other person who did the cheating. Do you ever find, though, sometimes a lack of remorse from the person who cheated? Do you ever see that as well? Yes. I, I see cases where you have very narcissistic type partners where they they feel that they're entitled to cheat and that the other partner shouldn't make as big of a deal about it. They're more caught up in their own needs. And I've seen cases where people refuse to change, refuse to stop 
uh, their fear even after discovered. And so that kind of uh, attitude from people who cheat makes it very difficult to recover from an affair. But I've also seen where sometimes the, the, the faithful partner contributes to that because some partners go into denial in not wanting to accept that this bad thing have come into their their lives. And so they minimize it and they go to this place of, I forgive you very quickly without uh, looking into what contributed to this in the first place, L- looking into what kind of partner, what is it in my partner that makes him or her capable of that. They go very quickly into, I forgive you as a way of brushing it under the carpet and not dealing with it. And so these kind of attitudes can make it very difficult to really work through and reconnect after an affair. So what other things should people avoid when they've had this experience in their relationship? I think one of the first thing that uh, uh, should be avoided is to to lie and with all details about what actually happened. I've seen circumstances where a partner will admit to very minor things at first. Oh, yes, you know, it was just holding hands. And then six months after we have started this, we have started the work of recovering from this, what we thought was an emotional affair with very minor physical contact. Then it's discovered that it was a little bit more than that. Oh, yes, there was kissing. And then another six months after that, there is discovered that, oh, it wasn't only kissing. We actually had sexual intercourse. And in these kind of cases, it makes it very, very, very difficult to really recover and to start trusting again. So as much as it is difficult, it is very important to avoid withholding information. So that said, though, I'm wondering how much detail should people go into when it comes to disclosing what actually happened? Because I'm trying to put myself in someone's shoes where I I may not want to know every little bit of what happened. But is it important to get into that detail? Like, how do you do that dance? Because I also see the other hand where some people want to know everything. How many times? Where it was? What were you thinking? What were they wearing? All that stuff. How do you strike that balance? Right. So I think it, it depends on what the partner that is cheated on wants to know. Some people will say, you know, I get the big picture. I know that you have you have committed adultery and, you know, I want to work on moving past that. Other partners will want to know who, where, how, how many times did you do the same intimate things that you did with me with that person. And this is all about trying to find out how badly is the foundation damaged? Where do we need to start building back from? And I would say in those cases where a partner is asking questions, it's very important to be honest and truthful as much as it might be hurtful to give these information. But many people hold back in an attempt to try to protect their partner from the hurt. But I would say this just makes it harder to rebuild because a lot of times the the kind of stories that are told 
is very, very hard for your partner to believe. So partners sometimes can read through the lines that you're holding back something and that knowing you, it's going to be very hard to say you're in this situation with a person and all we did was hold hands, right? And so it's very important to to be honest and upfront because it's better to know how bad the foundation is damaged so you can rebuild from that instead of you start rebuilding and then after you, you have this nice structure up, you realize, oh, by the way, there's this big crack that I didn't tell you about. And then what that happened, what means that means now you have to pull down the entire thing and start rebuilding again. What other things should people avoid? So you've described there the importance of being honest and having that person who was cheated on lead that conversation in terms of the depth of the details. Are there other things you've seen in your practice that if we avoid, we have we have more chance of success of rebuilding that relationship? I think I, I touched on denial before. I think denial is a very common one and spiritualization where people spiritualize the the affair and say, Oh, it's not my partner, it's just the devil, you know, it's a he's a good man, you know, without the devil he would never do such a thing or it's a good woman and just move right past it. I think we should avoid this kind of denial. But I think when we, we think about affair, we should also uh, be careful that we don't uh, make the mistake of thinking that it's a quick fix. So we should avoid thinking it's a quick fix because a lot of people think, okay, it is six months and now you should be over it. And so especially for people who uh, who are the, the, the unfaithful partners, they want this to be over with as quick as possible. And so I see in my office where this can actually come across as callousness. It can come across where the, the person who is cheated on feels, you don't really understand the depths of my pain. And I, so I would say to couples when they come in, this can take two years for you to get back to any any state of normalcy after an affair. So you should avoid thinking that it's a quick fix and that you, you can get past it as quickly as possible. That makes me think when you when you speak about the quick fix, fix part of me, as well as the spiritualization sometimes we'll do as Christian, where I think you said this in one of your stories, where you say, I've forgiven you, let's move on. Right. And how that pain that's there still needs to be worked through, even mm-hmm. if you do forgive the person. Right. That doesn't make it go away any No, it quicker. doesn't make it go away. You still have to, you can forgive, but you still need to work through the issues. And I think another thing that we need to avoid if we're going to reconnect uh, after an affair is that you need to be able to hold the other person accountable. In other words, the person who committed the affair, they, they need to... To, to be become transparent and they need to be accountable, not just to you, but they need to have mentors around them. So we need to avoid secrecy. A lot of people who who commit affairs after after the affair, they want to have their privacy and they want to keep their cell phone secrets and they want to have their personal uh, Facebook account that the other person can see. It's very, very difficult to rebuild after an affair if you have secrecy. So I said it, it, to rebuild, you need to avoid secrecy. Become an open book and let your partner that you have cheated on 
be, be, become a part of everything that you do. If you're going to be late, call in to say you're going to be late because if you don't call in, you're going to put your partner through a lot of turmoil. Your minds are, are inevitably going to go to feel as if you're cheating again. And yeah, so and so, it's important to be transparent and open. You're really having to rebuild trust yes. when this stuff happens. Yes. Are there things we should do in a relationship? We've talked about things to avoid. What positive action should we be doing in our relationships? I think it's very important when there is an affair to get professional help. Because again, as I said, the Bible puts it as one of these big things that could justify the, the breaking up of a relationship. So this is one of the things that I would say have counseling because I have seen couples who have gone the spiritual route where they say, I forgive you, let's move on, you know, you're back home, I thank God you're back home, God has answered my prayer, he has brought you back from the other woman or the other man, let's have Bible study and just continue as if nothing happened. But I see these couples who do that and 20, 30 years after, they're coming back into counseling saying, you know, we never really dealt with this. And now that the kids are gone, you know, I realize how angry I am and that I, I can't trust my partner. And now I realize that I need to deal with it. So it's important that it be dealt with as soon as possible. So if someone does go for counseling for this, what can they expect First of all, as I've said before, they should expect that it's not going to be a quick fix. They should also expect that there's going to be joint sessions and individual sessions because usually we start by having maybe a, a, a few uh, sessions together with the couple and then we'll have individual sessions because there are some times when a partner will want to talk to you eventually. They might have other things that they want to bring out and they want to get your professional advice as to how to go about bring this out. Or they might tell you things in confidence that you might say at some point you have to come forward and tell and let your partner know about this if this process is going to is going to work. So I think it's very, very important to get professional help. And and in terms of preparing for that and beginning to rebuild, what what hope can you give for couples who may be considering taking that next step of reaching out for counseling or sharing this story for the first time with anyone? Maybe they've held this in in their relationship and they're at a place they do want to reach out and get help and try to rebuild. Well, I would say, uh, first of all, it's important to understand that when an affair happens, it doesn't, uh, it's not a measure of how much you're worth as an individual. Because I find that a lot of people, because of the shame and the guilt that they feel, they put off coming in. So if you can understand that it doesn't reflect on your worth, then it can you know, uh, put you in this place where you understand, yes, I can go and I can talk to someone and I don't have to carry shame for that. The second thing that I want people to understand that uh, when uh, couples come in for counseling, there is no condemnation on my part for the person who is the guilty partner. I'm totally neutral with both partners. And my job is not to take sides and to make one person feel feel superior to the other. So it's important to realize that you will get a, a, a very a fair third party who can listen to your story and be totally rational in trying to help you reconnect. And I see that we are out of time for today, Melissa. So quickly, we have to uh, wrap up this show. I don't know if you have a final 
question or comment. I don't think we have time for another question, but is there anything? No, I always love ending with your final thoughts. If you could give one last message to the listeners out there about this topic, what would it be? I would say there is hope. Despite the fact that it's hard to recover from, there is hope. And I think hope starts by putting in place these principles that we have talked about here today, avoiding the things that should be avoided and doing the things that need to to be done and getting professional help. I think if you do that, despite the fact of how you're feeling right now, there is hope. And I would say, don't throw away your relationship. Don't end your relationship until you try professional counseling because there is there is hope. And so until next time, this is your host, Michael Hart of Elam Counseling Services. And Melissa Waggett. Praying together that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart. <laughs>